you know, I think it'll, it'll all be summed up because we can train on a lot of things. Right? That's what we do. We're skill building uh, organization where we train folks to have those hard skills. And when we look at the industry of folks that we want to bring in, it all falls back on. We want folks that we uh, uh, that have the things that we can't train. Right. The integrity, the passion, the commitment, the dedication, because all that plays in a role of you capturing the, the things that we're training on and educating you on. And if you, if you step into this industry without having that, it's going to be a very, very rough road. Hey, Construction Nation. Welcome to Lead with Trust. I'm Sue Dyer, and I've been on a three-decade journey to figure out how to make sure our construction projects succeed and produce some extraordinary results. My trusted leader journey has led me to work on over 4,000 construction projects worth over $180 billion. In this podcast, I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. One thing I know is that it starts with the leaders of the businesses and organizations that come together to build a project. If that's you, let's get going. Construction Nation, welcome to Lead with Trust podcast. This is Sue Dyer. And, you know, we are doing a series on bringing women into construction. And I'm excited today to share with you what Susan Rodriguez and Jacob Adante are doing with the Carpenters Union in Northern California, where they have a all-female pre-apprentice program. And uh, I think it's going to be really insightful for hopefully you as uh, women in potentially working in the industry, as well as maybe some of the other crafts or contractors thinking about how can you bring women in. I think they have a lot of insights that might be quite helpful. So let's take a listen to this great interview. Hey, welcome to Lead with Trust podcast. And today we are really in for a treat. We are going to talk to the Carpenters about a very special program that they have, and they are doing a great job with bringing women into construction and have lots of lessons for us. So welcome, Susan and Jacob. Thank hey, you. Sam. So let me just do a little bit of an introduction here. Jacob is the Director of Organizing for the Northern California Carpenters Union. So uh, that's a big job. And Susan... Uh, is the field representative for the California Carpenters Regional Council. So she's at the council where all of the different locals come together. So uh, I know that you, Emily Cohen from Yukon, was so excited about the program you have. So uh, why don't you explain us a little bit about you have an all-female pre-apprentice program. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think where we start, though, is because uh, it's it's important to understand how this kind of all started, um, given that this was our first one. Uh, so, I'll, and I'll be brief with the explanation. So, our transition of new leadership happened in August, and part of that new leadership change became new vision for what what do we have in front of us that is going to focus around membership, diversity, inclusion of not only recruiting new folks but also retaining them in the industry. And a lot of that was focused around different committee, committees that we, we established, one being that uh, Susan Rodriguez is running 
Focus, which is our focused outreach caucus, Uniting Sisters. Now, this was more focused on, hey, okay, we're going to bring women into the industry, but that support structure of knowing that folks feel appreciated, feel like they're headed in the right direction, and that the guidance, that mentorship played a huge role of needing to establish prior to even jumping into this, this idea of starting a pre-apprenticeship. Now, again, to think that this was an overnight success, it takes a lot of work, right? A lot of dedication, a lot of commitment, and really that sense of passion amongst not only the industry as a whole, but specifically folks that are going to be navigating this process, right? Susan included, but looking at the apprenticeship and the changes and and I would say positive changes we needed to adjust for at the apprenticeship needed to take under consideration as well. Uh, So part of that that growth and rebranding of of the Carpenters Union, looking at our, our apprenticeship was establishing this, identifying the teachers that would then facilitate the class, individual, how long that class would be. Is it going to be six weeks? Is it going to be 13 weeks? Is it going to be nine weeks? And what does that path look like now from week one to, to uh, you know, week six of what are we teaching? Soft skills, hard skills, and what does that support look like in between? Um, so we, we sat down, we had a, a broad, very broad discussion. And Susan doing a lot of work with the sisters on making sure that we build that continuity amongst the uh, the current sisters that we represent to now focus in on supporting uh, the folks that we were going to bring in. And uh, we started our first pre-apprenticeship July 25th of this year, which was pretty exciting. I will tell you that. And I'm going to kick it over to Susan because Susan um, was pretty intimate in this process as well of making sure that, you know, we constant, constantly met with the sisters and, and they felt uh, they felt connected. To more than just the pre-apprenticeship, but connected to the union before even becoming a union member. And, and also at some point here, I'd like you guys to explain what a pre-apprentice program is. We may have people that are listening oh, yeah. that don't really understand exactly what that is and how it fits into the whole. Absolutely. Well, I'll kick it over to Susan. She can uh, she can kind of talk about the pre-apprenticeship because she does a lot of work in um, in the valley where she's uh, where she's based at local 152, even under the umbrella of the, the Carpenters Union. And uh, I know she deals a lot with the, the local pre-apprenticeships that are uh, facilitated in that region. Awesome. Thanks. So um, it was just an honor to have our first all-women's pre-apprenticeship cohort go on at our own facility. Um, we do, as Jacob said, uh, partnered throughout the community with, with partnerships within communities for uh, the CBOs, community-based organizations, where we also pull uh, new members from. But this all women's pre-apprenticeship cohort, you know, we, we had 12 women who graduated. It was an honor to meet with the contractors because we, like Jacob said, we don't have a problem recruiting people. We want to make sure we retain them. So part of retaining them is to make sure that they, they feel part of. So education on, you know, being active with your union when you first get in. Get to know the agents whenever you become that member and be part of your own union. We then uh, solicited contractors to come through. We had the organizations, UConn came through with a a group of contractors and they watched, uh, they got to uh, tour the training center. They actually had the opportunity, if they seen one of the the new pre-apprentices, they actually had that opportunity to say, I want to give them an opportunity. Part of being this program being so successful is because we had, they had a job to go to right after completion of the, of the program. 
after they've, you know, we went and we did resumes as soon as they completed it, made sure all the ladies had a resume that we could, you know, pass around to contractors and still continue to get their, their buy-in because without the contractors wanting to invest in women on their job sites, it's a partnership. We have to work together. It's truly a partnership. So very exciting stuff happened through there. You know, we'd take the contractors out and immediately we'd ask them, who do you see that you're interested in? You know, we didn't let time go because it was important that we we put them into a, a an employment situation as soon as they got out. Um, so we we had great, great support from our contractors. Some went to work for um, on public works projects with our contractors and some went in the private industry part with our contractors. So it was a big a variety. That sounds uh, so exciting. So at the end of the 12 weeks. So six weeks. Oh, six, six weeks. Okay. At the yeah. end of the six weeks, what kind of skill set or preparation do they have to enter into this? I'm assuming then they enter in as an apprentice program or is it still Correct. a pre-apprentice then? Correct. So following the six-week pre-apprenticeship, then they enter into the apprenticeship. Now, the reason why we started the all-women pre-apprenticeship, because I really want to make sure that we hone in on this, and a lot of it was reaching out to our current sisters. Like, hey, what would have been better as you enter the construction industry of, of feeling connected to, again, a male-dominant industry, right? So where do you find that, that, that connectedness, right? And how can we make it a more seamless process for young folks, middle-aged folks to enter the construction industry, especially that of a woman in construction. And really the 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 overwhelming feedback, and I will say this too, the overwhelming feedback we received from the women in the industry was it would have been nice to enter the construction industry before being an apprentice, where we went through the through um, some training with all women. Right. So you're starting to connect with folks um, and whether it's like-minded folks or not, you're finding a sense of one, one friendship, right? Between folks in the industry in a male dominated industry, as well as some newfound relationships that I, I would say, and I still have those friendships, right? And relationships from when I went through the apprenticeship, but being able to find again, that, that direct support by the folks that are trekking with you through this, uh, through this program. So hearing back from our, our folk, our folks in the industry that are currently working as, as women in construction in the carpenters union, we went ahead and started this this pre-apprenticeship. So following the six weeks, um, which they cover, again, some soft skills, hard skills. This includes stretch and flex in the morning, right? A cardio workup. Because uh, all of us know if you're not if you're not in tune in the morning, your body's not warmed up. The construction industry is, is not for the faint of heart, especially physically. So you need to really get yourself into the mode of performing those, uh, those tough tasks that you're going to be running into. They get their OSHA 10 certification. Uh, which is your um, occupational safety hazard training, right? They get certified in their their 10-hour training for OSHA. They get their fall protection certification, your scaffold user certification, your first aid and CPR certification. They get a training on, on a forklift for operating over rough terrain. They do hand and safety tool training, right? Making sure that they're operating those, those hand tools safely, as well as power tool safety training. You got Pool calisthenics, construction math, foundation form and layout, floor construction, interior layout, wall framing, drywall. And then I would include this as being probably one of the most important, the history and heritage of the union, right? Knowing what it means to actually be a union member 
before entering to uh, the actual apprenticeship and having a formal understanding is extremely important, especially as they move through this now four-year uh, four-year apprenticeship that they'll be um, they'll be enduring after the six weeks. That's very exciting. So, what's happened since July with the women? They're working. <laughs> which, is, which, which is the main thing, right? <laughs> Susan, and I think Susan and, and the, the focus committee, right, the amount of work um, and, and focus to, to, to really mentor the women throughout this process is, is, is a true a, a testament to, to, one, their dedication and, and the sisters really feeling, um, feeling invested in that are participating. And I will say this, this program would have not been a success as, as much as it, as it has if the, if the wo- women that are, are uh, representing the focus committee as well as Susan overseeing it and coordinating the women, if their involvement wasn't here, we would have, it would have been a challenge. I will tell you. So, that. Susan, tell us more about how you support, uh, this as they've, after they've come out of the six weeks. What kind of what kind of things are you doing? What opportunities do they have to connect, I guess, too? So what we have is I did a 90-day follow-up and I contacted all of the sisters to find out how if they were still excited and it was great. You could just hear the excitement over the phone and they just love it. That was awesome. I've encouraged them to participate in their union meetings. So some may have gone to their union meetings, but I've also helped them and gave them ideas on how to attend with small children with childcare. Cause I have five children and I brought them all to the union meetings. So my children were brought up in the union meetings. So I encourage my sisters to do the same thing. Um, how do we get the next generation if we don't bring our own along? So, you know, I do support them in that. And then I let them know we have our skills build days. So periodically we'll have skill builds here recently, December 3rd, we had an, a, a suspended ceiling class it was in eight hours. We got familiar with acoustical ceiling. So that gives them a one up. They may not do that on the job site, but it gives them the confidence that if they were asked to do that task, then they're not blinded by that. So when they go to this other, other class, uh, are they uh, paid to do that? Or is that a volunteer thing they do to get extra skills? How does that work? Yeah, so it's a volunteer. It's not mandatory, but I reach out and I encourage it. It's a great time to network. And they really do enjoy being a group of women's continuing to grow and to educate themselves through our industry. And then we provide them lunch and it's just a great time. It's eight hours of being there learning a craft that you may or may not do. Well, it's it's a skill. So you've got another skill in your in your resume that you absolutely and that's what we tell them so as you do these skills builds then you add that to your resume and so resume building was going to be a continuous for us and i encourage them to keep track of that because as they grow in their apprenticeship they will also grow in their certification so we want to capture all that so i know there's a lot of effort being to help the women feel, you know, connected so that they're not float, floating at an island of their of their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything you've been able to do to help, you know, the people that are already in the industry, it's mostly men, but not not all, that to help them have a comfort level uh, working with a women. You know, I just remember years ago when fire women started in fire and police and it was kind of uncomfortable because people weren't used to the role. It's just natural. So anything you're doing to help the men kind of understand this new role and how to get comfortable with it? So looking at the, the other committees that we have, 
Um, Carpenters in Action has always been our flagship uh, committee where we've had a lot of folks coming out to the meetings and supporting, again, the organization holistically and the agenda of, of putting members to work on projects in, uh, you know, in either their city or neighboring counties. Now, part of that education throughout the Carpenters in Action, because it's our flagship and we have probably the largest amount of folks continuing to get involved in those meetings, is making sure part of the education is that of what you just explained, right? Getting folks comfortable, again, comfortable or used to the industry is the industry, right? You're, you're, here, to do, you're here to do a job at the end of the day. And this, this is regardless of what color you are, what sex you are, if you can do the job, that is where, that is where we find ourselves having value. Again, not only for ourselves and building confidence, but value provided to the employer that we're working for. Yeah, now I found, you know, years ago, because I was the first woman to head up the major collective bargaining unit and negotiate with all the construction crafts, uh, I found that people just didn't know how to deal with a woman in that role. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it, I wasn't their wife, I wasn't their sister, I wasn't their mother, I wasn't their aunt. So it, it just, it took a little, I had to almost help them to see, uh, it'll be fine, it's good, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of the guys, I'm one of the team here. So, and uh, I believe, I agree with you 100%. And what I love, love, love about construction is they really don't care if you can do the job, they love you. Yeah, exactly. And so another, some other, other things to do and I, I, we're doing, and I don't want to dismiss it because I, I think all of it, I think, I know all of it plays in a role of, again, I'm going to keep coming back to this, the connectedness of, of brothers and sisters and the overall union of what it actually means to be union, right? And uh, consider it a safe zone or your safe harbor, but you find yourself being able to keep, continue to go to an organization that is supporting you, right? And we look at the Carpenters Union as being that direct support. And what we've we've had recently, again, I think more of like a protocol um, and consistent is going to the apprenticeship center with uh, organizers, staff members, field representatives on a on a quarterly basis and sometimes a weekly basis um, at the at the six or four apprenticeship centers that we have here in Northern California of consistently meeting with the apprentices. Now, granted, the apprentices only make up a portion of our are a base of members here because we have journey persons as well. But again, it starts early, right? If you can educate folks early and understand the dynamics of the industry, and this is, again, working in tandem with, with the folks in, in the field that may not look like you, may not be you, but finding a way to, to get the job done, getting it early and educating folks on that early on is, is extremely important, right? And, and not again, not necessarily dismissing the, the individuals that have been in the industry for 10, 20, 30 years. But again, we have a new wave of folks that are coming in and getting them acclimated to, again, not being part of where things have been, not being status quo, right? Not being status quo, but really changing the culture of where you want the industry to be in order for it to excel and for us to, to find longe- longevity as a, as a labor union. Well, and we need to fill the 500,000 jobs. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, we, we, are, we, we crack wise about it, but it's true, right? The best retention tool is a paycheck. Yes. Right? But then you accompany... Which, you... which, which brings me to the question, because some people will be listening here that might be candidates for you. Yeah. And so give, us, give them an idea, because they may... What I'm hearing is so many people don't even know about construction and what's possible. What, what kind of salary would they get on an annual basis if they're working full-time uh, 
as a, an apprentice, and then when they become a journeywoman, what does that look like? Good. I'll kick it over to you, Susan. Awesome. I wish I had a wage card. Huh. <laughs> this could be rough order magnitude. So our that. wages start, I believe it's about 32 bucks an hour with some benefits. First period apprentice, showing up to work, ready to work. My spiel is for when they first get in is your hardest part about doing your work is showing up every day. So if you get committed to show up every day, chances are you're going to be successful. Then, uh, so it's like, all right. Then as a journeyman, you do your four-year apprentice, you do 600 hours, six, uh, two classes in six months, you get a re-rate. That's your raise. So those are encouraging. And then with those raises, you also get vacation pay. So I have milestones that I tell my pre-apprentices and my apprentices. These are milestones you want to hit because that means more money in your pocket. As soon as you get to third period, you start getting annuity. That's another benefit that we have. Annuity. Uh, and then fifth period, you get all benefits, pension. So after your first 400 hours in a, in a waiting month, you're going to get health care for you and your entire family. You work 100 hours a month, you continue to get that health care. Um, and you can bank some hours with the carpenters. Then as a journey level carpenter, you turn out, you can do your apprenticeship in three and a half years. So again, that's up to you and, and, and how much you work and, go to, and if you're on track with schooling. Um, at that rate, right now, um, our journey level carpenters, I believe, is about $58. Okay. Fifty-seven ten. Fifty-seven ten plus benefits, which is for those of you who don't know, an annuity is your retirement. (laughs) Some people may not know that that's your retirement, so that will be growing for you. (laughs) Yes, so you have two with the Carpenters Union. You'll have your pension and your annuity. And then we also have a self-contributed, well, through the employer, um, but elected through the um, by the member for four hundred one k plan as well. So if we take 5710 and we multiply it times like what 2000 hours? Yeah, 2080 is a is a good is a that's 40 hours a week, right? Times 52, 2080 would be the that factor. So that that would be your your annual salary not including your all your the friend, Yeah, your friend's benefit. What's package. the benefit package right now for an for a journeyman? A little a little it's, over 30 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so plus $30 yeah. an yeah. hour for mm-hmm. that. So uh, total compensation is like eighty seven dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that so it's, it's a very nice uh, salary uh, for you, and uh, and I know that the union is here to support you. And uh, and if you and the other thing that I'm hearing a lot in on my conversations is that there are companies that will totally support you, and if you're in one that isn't, find another one. Because there are there are companies that will absolutely support you, and and help you. Um, so well, absolutely, and as as much as we mentor our, our members, we also have to mentor our contractors, right? Because uh, they they play a large role in this uh, in this culture shift, um, as we do, right? This this level of investment needs to be reciprocal. It needs to be come on on all ends um, if we want if we want the the industry to change, right? And and where we see it going. Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Of, they yeah, have we, the jobs. Absolutely. <laughs> right. We see a lot of end users. When I say end users, the developers, the, the tech tenants, the um, the property owners that want to see this represented on their job sites, right? Where it, it speaks to the diversity of, of what California is. 
right? And seeing that on their project is where they want things to be. And even the local communities, right, from the East Bay to San Francisco to the South Bay, that direct representation of seeing that in the field is, is what they is what they desire. So what they desire is, is aligned with our vision of what we're currently doing and where we want to take things. And uh, having that level of alignment accompanied with that investment is extremely important. Um, I can't stress that enough. Absolutely. Another thing, Sue, that we've been doing is, is actually going to our contractors and having that sit down conversation and asking the question. You know, they, a lot of contractors these days are doing a DEI. You know, we want to help. We want to help fulfill those jobs that are on the job site. Not necessarily the, 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 the project manager, but we also, we, we tell them the importance of hiring an apprentice and teaching that woman the, her skills, right? And so we've actually been able to secure employment for some of our sisters like that. It's absolutely because it's, we have so many, uh, vacancies. I mean, I'm, I'm, I work on, I don't know, 10, 12 projects at a time and doing partnering. And, uh, I can tell you that there isn't a project I'm working on right now that doesn't lack people. <laughs> you know? We can't get materials, but we also can't, there's no bench, you know, it's hard to, you can't replace someone. And especially the subcontractors, Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing that where, you know, they just say, well, we just, we just don't have anybody else to bring. And so, uh, it's, it, there's a sense of urgency around all of this mm-hmm. that we really need to build up the workforce. And to me, women are 50% and, uh, they can absolutely do the job. And, and in, in these interviews, one of the things that I've heard, uh, from, uh, people who've been hiring women for a long time, they found a few challenges, like particularly when women are in childbearing years, what is the path for them? Because it may not, you may not be able to work at 6 p.m. to 5 a.m. And so that, I, I just, I just throw that out there. I don't know if you've thought about that, but I mean, there seems to be like there needs to be a path for those years. It's not a lot. It's not all the years, but there are some years there that uh, may may be a challenge and it's a, it's an industry challenge we need to try to figure out um and so you know i think that there's a lot that women can do absolutely and but if they're all by themselves and they don't have any support then what do we do about childcare absolutely absolutely and again yeah, i think you hit it on the head right it's it's the support factor right <laughs> it's a support yeah. factor if if you're you don't have the support factor Individuals that step into their childbearing years don't look at construction now as being an option. They don't. They can't. Yeah. So it's so. What's that next step? And yeah. so yeah. then, is it the union? Is it the employers? Is it some? You know, some. I know that we have the wherewithal to figure it out, but I know that it's something. If it doesn't get figured out, you're not going to get the women to come. <laughs> no, absolutely. you're enjoying this show. Every time you and your team step foot onto a construction project, you bring your business culture with you. For any construction project to succeed, there must be a high trust culture. It doesn't matter if you're in planning, design, construction, or startup phases. The more trust you bring and build, the better your results. I've created a free resource for you, the Trusted Leader Profile. 
so you can know exactly the level of trust you bring to your business and projects and what you can do to boost trust. You can grab that at sudico.com slash profile. That's S-U-D-Y-C-O.com slash profile, P-R-O-F-I-L-E. And I hope that you'll remember that always high trust equals high performance, and it really depends on you. Now back to the show. Susan, did you have something that sounded like you were going to say something? Well, I just think that now's a good time because we have a lot of elected officials looking at that very topic, the very barriers that keep women from construction. And so it's a really good time to be having those conversations and working with different organizations to fix this problem. How, how do we fix it, right? We know it exists. We know the struggles of childcare and the off hours that that they're available versus what you need to get to the job. If you live in the Valley, you're leaving early, early just to get over the Altamont to go to the Bay Area. Childcare doesn't work that way, right? And so really uh, looking at all the options, finding out what's in the community and being able to be knowledgeable so that we can share that with our members. On the same time, having our politicians work on this as well, because I think it's going to take us all to figure it out. Yeah, it definitely, definitely is one that, uh, like we, it's the biggest one I can see, uh, that needs to be resolved. And I love the idea that the union can support in that, uh, because it makes it so much more valuable for the apprentice. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Love I think, it. I think some of these issues compound though. And, and I, and recently we ran some legislation and were successful at securing it. AB 2011. It was the Affordable Homes High Road Jobs Act with Buffy Wicks. But we talk about childcare, we talk about mental health, we talk about transportation, all these challenges that plague, plague the industry, and not only ours, I mean, I'm talking about industries beyond just construction. And all of it stems from the lack of housing, right? So if, we, if we've had housing and opportunity exist in, and because Susan Wright brought up the Central Valley, if we had that exist in the Central Valley, where the opportunity that folks find in the Bay Area is, also exists in the Valley, where folks are having to move and there's not this two hour window, four hour window sometimes of commuting every single day. Maybe the thought of, of childbearing years and having children isn't as, as much of as a, well, it's what felt as a burden or impact if I'm working in the community where I live. Yes. Right. So again, it's, it's, it's this constant influx of, we don't have enough housing and, and where folks are saying we don't have enough labor, but where we, where we need the labor, we need to have the opportunity and connect those two things. Yeah. Right? Well, and so, that could also be transportation. Um, absolutely. Because I've also said, why don't we have something that takes us closer to where all the work is rather than going around the world to get there? So. <laughs> right. Again, if we had more housing. <laughs> yeah. More housing. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure that we're, we're educating the people who want to maybe come in and also maybe the people who might be starting a program like this too. So who are your ideal candidates for this? Susan? Anybody who is interested in building America, you know, if you have it in your heart, but not necessarily your hands, we can put it in your hands with, through our training, through our upgrade classes. So we can get that. We really want to capture those who are coming out of high school. 
Not everybody's deemed to go to college with all that college debt. We offer a career debt free. Do women have to give up their femininity? No, absolutely not. You be who you are. You be who you are. Now, when it comes to nails, I'm going to let you know, we want to be taken serious on the job site. So if you've got your long eyelashes, you know, maybe consider doing something different. We want to be taken serious on the job site. That's what's going to end. And to keep our skill set, we want to go out there and be ready to work and learn and be part of a team. We don't want to go out there and and be the loud one on the job, right? We want to go and we want to listen and pay attention. And really, four years go by so fast. So you in four years, you really need to learn a lot. Yeah, and you, you need to be big and tall, strong. No, no. I this is the biggest I've ever been. <laughs> uh, and we get the right tool for the job, and you can do anything. Come, come January twenty first, we'll have another skills build test. For example, or skills build day, we're going to be doing doors and hardware. This is going to give our sisters the tricks of the trade on how to maneuver that door by yourself, so that you can be that person on the do- job hanging doors and doing hardware. But you have to learn the whole aspect, and just packing material is one of those. Jacob, you had something you were going to say? Yeah, and I was going to just touch on, you know, I think it'll all, it'll all be summed up because we can train on a lot of things. Right? That's what we do. We're a skill-building uh, organization where we train folks to have those hard skills. And when we look at the industry of folks that we want to bring in, it all falls back on we want folks that, we, uh, f- uh, that have the things that we can't train, right? The integrity, the passion, the commitment, the dedication, because all that plays in a role of you capturing the the things that we're training on and educating you on. And if you, if you step into this industry without having that, it's going to be a very, very rough road ahead on, on having to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning to show up at the job site at 7, to hustle the next job that you're going to work. Again, we're in the construction industry where we work ourselves out of a job. It's, right. it's good and bad at the same time, right? But you you work until you you... You know, maybe you get moved over to the next project or you hustle the next project. You build that relationship right through that, uh, that, that communication with your brothers and sisters that you're working with to then find opportunity on future projects that you're, that you're working on. But again, all that plays back into the role of you having that integrity, having that passion, having that dedication, having that commitment. And we'll train the rest. We absolutely can. Yeah. Well, you get to build things. I mean, it really is fun. The smell of wood is pretty good. <laughs> and dirt and dirt. Dirt smells different. <laughs> so how would someone apply if they were interested in becoming a pre-apprentice? Well, they could reach out to me. They could reach out. Uh, I could give you a phone number. That sounds um, good. I'll put that in the show yeah. notes. Fabulous. That's 209-992-0760. And yeah, I'd love for them to contact me if they're interested in our next pre-apprenticeship program. And, and when, then, does it, when does that start? How, how, what's the cadence of them? So go ahead, Susan. I think we're going to have one at the end of February if, if the schedule is still on. So right now we're like recruiting. Uh, we have a focus website that you can sign up on, on our website and we can give information. Leave your name if you're interested in in the next pre-apprenticeship cohort. 
I'll reach out to you and then do a follow up. But yeah, we want to we want to get our next one kicked off. This was such such a success. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think we'll be running them in six month intervals, Sue. Just so you're aware. Okay. And, and what we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, what we'll look at is a, a class size of between fifteen and twenty. Right, something that's manageable. That sounds perfect. That yes. sounds like a nice size. Yeah. Yeah, something that's manageable that's not so big where folks don't feel like they're getting the the necessary attention. Yeah. Uh, as well as not so small that you know we're we're expending a lot of resources to then train a few. Yeah. Well, I find about. 20 people you can is is a nice size you can find people can be in smaller groups too but you get a, you get enough you get enough people talking that you get good conversation mm-hmm. good dialogue and so part of this pre apprenticeship program they get their skills and their hard skills soft skills and so forth but we also give them their first set of tool bags and oh. so they get their first set of tools so they don't have to go to the first job wondering oh my gosh what do i need you already know what you need cuz they're already around your waist for 6 weeks okay <laughs> and then we encourage them to purchase a tool every paycheck you get yeah. purchase a new tool to go with your toolkit and that's how you're going to grow your toolkit that's awesome so if if women can't go into the pre-apprentice don't have the opportunity to go to the pre-apprentice don't want to wait 6 months can they join as an apprentice in some way? So how we do that is we we have uh we're partnered with different organizations that can get you into a a pre-apprenticeship boot camp. If they choose not to do that and they have the only way they can get in is with the contractors supporting them and sponsoring them. And then if they don't have 600 hours in the construction industry, it is a requirement they attend the boot camp, the 6-week boot camp pre-apprenticeship. And that's so that we know that you have some safety skills behind you and you're going to be, you're going to, it's going to be a safe environment when you hit that job site. But they don't necessarily have to wait the six months or whatever. No, no, but they'll, they'll be scheduled and the apprenticeship schedules them for that. Okay. Yeah. That yeah so, so Sue, we run other pre-apprenticeship classes as well that are co-ed. Okay. Right? Not not specific around you know males or women, but a mixed class. Yeah. But we want we wanted to run a contingent of these specific I right focused in, focused in on women to make sure that's you know that support and and investment is made up front. Well, now, I think that most of the women would prefer that because yeah. it uh, it gives you friends mm-hmm. that as you're learning you can call upon, and right. there may be some unique things that are just unique, you know, all apprentices have similar issues, I'm sure, but there's probably some unique things when you're uh, a female on the Mm -hmm. job. And and it makes a difference when you can ask questions and feel comfortable about asking a question, or if it's co-ed, you may not want to ask that question because it doesn't, you don't have that comfort value right there. It's not there. You don't want to look dumb. Yeah. when when it's all women, we find that they ask more questions. <laughs> well, women and men obviously communicate a little differently, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so my wife says. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've read up some books about it. <laughs> so, what is your overall objective for this program? Like, do you have a certain number of women you want to bring in uh, overall, or in a certain amount of time? Do you feel like you can say this is and have them stay for a certain amount of time? 
Well, I would say any upward momentum of, of hitting higher percentages of women in the carpenters union is where we want to be. Now, okay. I think setting, setting uh, smart goals is important, right? Of being able to hit those benchmarks that don't all, all of a sudden start to um, discourage folks that are, are running the classes or supporting um, the individuals. I mean, ideally, we'd like to see 7%. And I don't like really like to put a figure on it, but 7% is, is, a, is a good goal for us. Now, whether that happens over the next year or over the next two years, um, we're going to aspire for 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 that seven percent. Um, I think the the general percentage, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Susan. Across the board is is roughly I think one or two percent. Susan, it's pretty low. It's yeah, pretty it's low. One or two percent. And and right now at the Susan, do you have the apprenticeship percentage of what we're running right now as far as as women through the apprenticeship? Oh, I don't have that handy. No, we just had a meeting too. Yeah, I don't have that, but. What we can do, Sue, Sue, is we can follow up with some of those figures that okay. uh, might be That'd helpful. Be great. I can put them in the show notes. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. You know, like, for example, on that training, we have right now currently going on a, a six-week uh, pre-apprenticeship program. It is co-ed. There are four ladies in that class. And so I'm going to be going out and reaching out and talking to them in that way that they get that support right away. Okay, I just want everybody out there that might be thinking about this to know that, you know, there's lots of opportunity. I also love the idea that it's going on a regular basis because a lot of the apprentice programs that I've been familiar with, you know, you have to wait annually to go through a testing and you're waiting a long time to get in. And I don't know that the industry can wait that long for people to come in. And then you have this big balloon of people. Correct. It seems like you're filtering, getting them in more quickly and less as a big, huge cohort of people. Yeah, well, it's got to be sustainable, right? And, yeah. and it's got to be a stable growth pattern. Again, a opportunity, investments tied together, right, of recruiting yeah. and retaining those folks. So we continue to organize. We are an organizing unit, I will tell you that, Sue. We do not shy away from who we are. And we, we're out there organizing boots on the ground every single day from getting commitments with contractors, getting commitments on projects from developers that then make that commitment to, again, having that adversity, having that inclusion on their job site by way of bringing the carpenters, uh, carpenter subcontractors as well as the GC on their projects. Again, accompanying that opportunity with that, that recruitment is, is extremely important. And if you're not actively organizing it becomes extremely difficult to have any type of st a structured or, or I would say, yeah, structured growth, right? Any type of structured growth. Yes. So it's so it's really doable. Correct. Absorbable. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I know you guys are doing this. Do you are you aware of any other crafts or any other carpenters and other areas that are doing similar things? Uh, Susan, maybe you can answer that. I'm not certain. I'd like to think that the sense of urgency is just as important of the other labor unions. I just haven't seen it. Right. I haven't seen it amongst the other labor unions. It's unfortunate. It is, it is absolutely unfortunate. I, I would say the structure that we have of the Carpenters Union is aligned for uh, for having flexibility and growth. Um, so my position as the director of organizing, I'm an at-will an at-will position, similar to the Susan, we are hired to do a job. We're not elected to do a job. So it's not a popularity contest. We're hired to do a job and 
part of that job is focused on our membership, on making sure that that opportunity continues to exist for our membership, as well as organize. So if we're not doing the job, you know, just like working out in the field, ideally, we'd have to find another one. But again, we continue to we continue to progress forward and create that opportunity, which keeps us um, part of this this fine organization. Now, other other local unions and uh, organizations don't operate like that. Um, they're hired. They're they're elected to do a job, and like our our lovely elected officials in in local and state governments, uh, you don't always have to be doing your job to be <laughs> once you're elected, uh, which is which is extremely unfortunate. So, I mean, I hate to put the onus on 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 a, a, a failed structure that has been a kind of a legacy issue amongst labor unions. Uh, it, but other than focusing on on what we can control in our own jurisdiction, this this is where we aim to hopefully be the catalyst of where other folks see as being a leader and a pioneer in the industry of saying, hey, we need to get on the we need to get on the train and and figure this out. And the carpenters have created a great model uh, to do just that. That is amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> because I do think that is what the industry needs. It needs you know, people that are leading it and have lessons learned, which I'm sure you guys have a lot that you could share, especially after you go through two or three of these. Mm-hmm. You're going to know what worked and what didn't work, mm-hmm. and that could be shared with others to hopefully bring bring more into the industry so that we are not. I really don't know what's going to happen overall if we are down so many people, probably technology will rapidly emerge, Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see what happens. So with that, our final question, what is some parting advice both of you would have for the industry and maybe for the men and women who want to work as a carpenter or maybe another trade? All right. I would like to see the industry have at least two women on every job site, at least. That gives them the support, the woman's support, right? That that face that looks like them, right? Sense of belonging, right? And you're not on the island by yourself, for starters. I want to see the contractors continue with their DEI programs and take it the next step further and make sure the hiring guys on the, the job site, the foreman, the superintendents are in line with their vision as well. Um, most of the time, the the company office guys on the in the office don't really know what the hiring looks like. They don't even know what the payroll list looks like. So I encourage them to, you know, hey, make sure there's a woman on a on a on a request letter. You know, I'm sure they've come in and looked for jobs. So you know, support those women. We need them to invest in us and allow us to grow on the job sites as well. And the industry needs it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So part part of the advice for myself, um, just didn't encourage individuals to really see the trades, again, carpenters or other trades as being an opportunity and a career path. And one of the things that uh, that I really hone in on with especially young folks that are stepping into the industry, right? From my perspective, we're looking at growth, not perfection, right? We're looking at long-term success for individuals to continue to grow within this industry. And part of that is, is growing here, right? Your mind, and then also growing here, right? Your, your commitment, your dedication for, for what you're pursuing. And uh, that in construction is, is absolutely what you need. You need your heart into, in, in the game to be successful. So we're, we're open arms. We'd appreciate as many folks as possible. Again, Part of being a member is also being part of the organizing mission as well. 
right? Mm-hmm. So the expectation as well as building those hard skills is getting out there in those communities and really professing what you want to see. I want to see jobs. I want to see opportunity. I want to see that same investment that they've made in the Bay Area to exist here within my community because I want to be able to benefit from living here and also working here. And then we can tackle the other issues along the way, right? The childcare, the transportation. But let's focus at creating those opportunities locally that then can be opened up to those that, uh, that want to work and live uh, in the area. That's so awesome. Thank you guys so much for all the good work you're doing. It just uh, fills my heart with happiness. And I, I know that there's people out there that may not even understand that there's a fairly nice career here for them, uh, whether you're a male, female, and because uh, in construction, my I just know that they'll accept you. If you, you do a job and you want to do the job, they accept you. I mean, I've been working in this industry for 40 years. so And so I have here to find you. I've got Susan's phone number. I've got her LinkedIn profile. I'll put those in the show notes. Uh, I've got her email address. Everyone will have that. Uh, and then Jacob, I've got your email address. And I've got and a website to the NorCal Carpenters. And uh, the only thing I don't have, Susan, is the email address for the focus. If, if somebody wanted to jump on there and look at that, that the website. So you would go to norcalcarpenters.org. Go under the members tab for focus. So how you do that, Jacob? Correct. And you know what we can do, Sue, is yeah. I'll I'll copy I'll go to the page. I'll copy the URL. Send and me a I'll link. Place, yeah. I'll place the perfect. URL in the uh, in your email. That'd be perfect. And I'll put it into the show notes, and then everybody will have that. So perfect. perfect. And then once you pull out of there, you'll be able to see all the other number of committees that we've established here in Northern California that also open up um, and 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 uh, have access to. For some of those, uh, for some of those groups that don't want to, don't want to feel grounded. Perfect, perfect. I, I just I applaud you with all the great things you're doing. Thank you so much, Susan and Jacob, for joining me today on Lead with Trust. This was just awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sue. Appreciate it. Okay, Construction Nation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. Will you do me a favor? If you think this episode can help anyone on your team or business, please forward it to them. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And your honest review, hopefully five stars, is much appreciated. Every leader who learns how to build their business and projects on a foundation of trust is going to reap the rewards of greater productivity, attracting the best of the best, enjoying your business more, and doing things you thought were impossible. If you want to know where you are in your trusted leader journey, I have a free resource for you. Please just go to sudico.com slash profile, S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile. And you can grab it there and find out where you are on your trusted leader journey. And so that is a wrap for today. Can't wait until I get a chance to hang out with you again next week. And until then, have a great day.